Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. Welcome to the 10th episode of Season 3 of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Our topic of conversation today is the penultimate track from Damn the Torpedoes, What Are You Doing in My Life? Uh, I don't embed the songs in the episode itself due to licensing issues, but if you want to listen to the song before we get started, uh, check out the link in the episode notes or load it up in your streaming app of choice, then come back and we'll dig into it. When Paul Zolo says to Tom in conversations with Tom Petty that it's a good song, Tom says, better than I realized at the time. I wasn't knocked out by it at the time, but when I played it at that show, I realized it was pretty durable. It held up really well. The show in question was the 2004 Art for AIDS concert, which was dedicated to the memory of Dana Petty's brother, Stephen Kostick, who lost his battle with AIDS in 1993. The song is another that was very rarely played otherwise, and that show was the first since 1990 that it was given an airing. It was briefly resurrected for six shows in 2005, with the last performance being August 16th at The Joint at Hard Rock in uh, Las Vegas, which somehow feels like a fitting send-off for this track. Right off the top, this one gets your toe tapping. There's no incidental studio noise, no build, no count, nothing. Just straight into that 10-bar intro that sits on that E chord before bursting into the B, which leads into the first verse. If the last song, You Tell Me, was all about Duck Dunn's savage bass line, this song is carried along at breakneck speed by Ben Montench's rip-roaring piano part and Mike Campbell's gnarly slide guitar. There are plenty of times in this song where I'm really reminded of the small faces and Ronnie Wood's playing, especially on tracks like Stay With Me. The repeated slides up to E on that lead guitar part also have plenty of country flavour to them, and you could easily see a sleazy honky-tonk band picking this one up and having a lot of fun with it. Not a ton for Stan Lynch to do on the drums in this song. It's just about keeping pretty straight time and allowing the guitars and the piano to stampede all over it. The fills are all very simple, tom or snare fills that rarely step up to double time, and in fact the most variety Stan has to throw into this one is moving from the ride to the hi-hat on the 16th notes. The song starts on the ride and sits there for most of the song, other than the verses where it moves to that hat to give a little more sonic space to Tom's vocal. With Stan keeping that steady but driving drum pattern going, Ron Blair starts off by sitting fairly simply on top of the kick pattern. In some of the transitions between you know, verse, chorus and back, we do get some tasty little bass fills with those trademark Ron Blair slides, which really crescendo toward the end of each bridge section. Now, he backs it off completely in the last verse, though, sticking really close to that lone E note, which takes the overall energy down just a little bit so that it can be pushed to its finale in the last chorus and into the outro, where he really starts having fun by dropping down to that open E on the bottom string. Both lead and rhythm guitars have a fantastic, crunchy, distorted tone on this song. Uh, through the intro, both are just sitting back and letting Benmont rip around that E chord before Mike puts in that killer slide up to B. It's just so greasy and cool. And that change from E to B is really the hook in the whole song. And it's so incredibly simple, yet so incredibly effective. Uh, Through the verses, we get that slide really setting up the tone. And as the chorus comes back into the second verse, Mike throws in more super tasty slides that give that real spit and sawdust, you know, hoedown kind of bar feel to the track. In the choruses, we get those really fat, full major chords. And if you listen in the left channel, you hear that that beautifully suspended fourth note A in the E chord, which again has such a a Ronnie Wood, Keith Richards feel to it to me. While Mike is having a whale of a time sliding all over this track, Tom is doing what he always does, i.e. playing a perfect rhythm part. 
It's actually got a very sort of 60s rock and roll feeling to that rhythm part, which acts as a, an interesting counterpoint to that dirty old slide part that Mike's playing. It's very rhythmic too. And rather than sticking to a straight time strumming pattern, you know, he's throwing in extra strikes and he's kind of going on da 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 instead of just da 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 through the verse and the chorus. Uh, you know, and rather than, again, just rather than simply sticking to that four beats in the bar. It's all mixed beautifully too, though, to give a more percussive than melodic feel to that rhythm part. And it stands out for how nicely it both complements the lead and stays out of the way of Benmont's piano. In the first bridge, to put more focus on the vocal, Mike drops out of that lead role and becomes a second rhythm guitar before sliding into that last line. The lead is mixed really heavily over into the left channel during the solo, so you can really hear Mike shredding. It's a superb solo, and one I'd absolutely love to hear isolated one day if I ever got the chance. He's throwing in a ton of slides in there, and they all sound incredibly precise while maintaining such a cool swagger and playfulness. And the highlight for me is right at the end at the 250 mark, as the solo comes back into the bridge, there's like a... It's, it's like a a double slide. It comes in, up, down. Like it sort of it messes with your head a little bit when you listen to it because it's almost like he's playing two different parts. And so for me, that's arguably the, the tastiest guitar phrase on the entire album, maybe even on the first three. It's just so juicy and fun and inventive. I'd also be willing to bet that the, the entire solo was done in one take. It has that really spontaneous live off the floor feel to it. Organ is nowhere to be heard on this song. It's all about keeping the song stripped back enough to let that piano lead scream its way through the song. It has that rollicking sort of Little Richard style of keeping time in sections. Then it has some great little suspended, you know, grace notes as well as a few fast gliss slides down the keyboard. We're treated to plenty of big fat piano at the top of this one. And it's all that sort of right hand rock and roll. Again, an old juke joint ragtime pianist could have a, a ball with this one. We get more of those big slides into the chorus and through the bridge section, there's no let up. During the solo, it's a it's much more a rhythmic piano part um, rather than Benman adding too much real movement. But what he does do is keep hammering on that B chord through four of the last five bars, even when the chord changes back to E. So again, that provides a little dramatic suspension through that section of the song. Super cool. And I hadn't actually noticed he was doing that until this listen through. Alrighty, it's time for some Petty Trivia. Last week I asked you who wrote the book Tom Petty and Me, which focuses primarily on Tom's early career with the Heartbreakers and how the first album was broken into uh, the public's consciousness. The answer, as you all knew, of course, is sizzling Memphis natural John Scott. Now, you may remember that John was a guest on the first season of the podcast and was incredibly generous with his time, recounting some fabulous tales that showed both the creative determination of Tom and the band in the early days, as well as Tom's whimsical side, and then his fierce loyalty and gratitude to the people who stuck by him when he really needed someone to believe in the music that he was creating. If you still haven't bought John's book, I would urge you to go to his uh, website, Tom Petty and Me, and pick up a copy. He hand signs every copy that you order from his website. You can, of course, also pick it up on uh, Amazon, uh, and you can get it in ebook formats and all that kind of stuff. So please, 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 please go pick that up. It's a great read, and you'll have a lot of fun um, digging into some of the stuff that Tom got up to in the early days. Your question for this week is this. In which country did Damn the Torpedoes achieve its highest chart position? <laughs> Okay, back to the song. Tom tells Paul Zolo that the lyrics to this one are about an annoying groupie in New York, and it has a real obsessed fan vibe all over it that really can't be mistaken. 
And despite being about a, a royal pain in Tom's ass, the lyrics are they're kind of glib and funny at times and sit perfectly on top of the hurricane of slide guitar and piano and the sort of frenetic, frantic, upbeat uh, nature of the, of the, the arrangements of the song. And the last verse has that fantastic line. Well, you're the last woman in the world that thrills me. Now you got my girlfriend trying to kill me. This lyric is also another example of how Tom could get so much out of so little. In the verses in the bridge, it's quite syllable heavy and moves along at the same sort of breakneck speed as everything else. But once you get to the chorus, it's a very simple line. What are you doing in my life? Repeated three times with, I didn't ask for you to cap it off. Economical songwriting at its very best. And there is a slight undercurrent of anger that threatens to bubble up at times, but on top of such a fun musical canvas, you wouldn't want the song diving too far into those sort of emotional depths. My favourite line in the song is the one that follows probably some jerk trying to put me under, which is a great line in itself, but when it's followed by some friend of a friend of a friend of mine, that's just a great kicker. And the way he sings it is very clever too. First of all, it increases in attack and volume on each friend, and he also bends that word in a way that mirrors those lead guitar bends. We also get a stronger piano fill after that line from Benmont to really drive it home. It's another searing, soaring vocal performance, and I love that it's double-tracked throughout, with harmonies all through the verses, straight double-tracked vocals in the bridge, and then that flip in the chorus where it's a double-tracked lead with a low harmony through the first two lines, and then a second high harmony part added on the last, what are you doing in my life? A simply brilliant piece of arranging, and it really makes that chorus snarl and bite more than it would if it were sing if it were single-tracked or if it was only one harmony part. You get plenty of that southern drawl coming through, and I think that's maybe where it sort of leads me to think about, you know, a, a real sort of greasy honky-tonk country band uh, picking this one up and, and taking a run at it. It's another beautifully written and assembled performance from a guy who, and I'll say it again, is criminally underrated as a vocalist. There's also a wonderful coup de grace during the outro for this one, as Tom playfully repeats in a, in a very low register, Shirley, Shirley, Shirley Yakus, Shirley, Shirley, Shirley Yakus. So that's a nice nod to the uh, to the engineer who who worked on this record. <laughs> Okay, folks, that's all for this week. I'm a big fan of this song. It's one of those that when I went back to dig into Tom Petty's catalogue when I first really started listening to him more closely, it's a song that really stuck out and stuck with me as a, as a fantastic deep cut. This one, I think, could have easily have been a single. Um, that chorus is so memorable, so hummable, and you could easily see a, a stadium of, you know, 100,000 people going crazy and dancing along to it. I can't quite put it at the very top table, but it's definitely on the next one down for me because it, it just moves me and I just, it's just so much fun. You know, it's the Riley observed irritation in the lyric, the top-notch vocal delivery, and the twin hammer blows of Mike and Benmont's complimentary swashbuckling lead parts, um, all of which mean that I have to give this one a 9 out of 10. I mentioned a couple of times that I see some similarities in Mike's playing on this one with Ronnie Wood from The Stones uh, and Small Faces, so I'll drop a link to stay with me in the episode notes so you can hear what I'm talking about a little bit. And also, I'll add an alternate version that was included on the American Treasure box set released in 2018. It's not hugely different, but the mix is slightly cleaner in a few spots, and you can hear Ron's bass a little bit better, as well as Benmont's piano being brought up uh, in certain places. It also really brings up that Shelley Yakus coda so that you can hear it more clearly, and it doesn't fade out the music all the way before ending on a drum fill from Stan. So I'll throw that one into the notes too, as it's worth listening to for that sort of modification of the outro. Um, unfortunately, I have to remind you again before I wrap up that... 
please, if you can, support the humanitarian efforts in the Ukraine. Um, you can do that in many different ways, and I would urge you to do so if you if you have the means. Um, I'll keep adding that link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes. Um, but let's all hope that this doesn't go on for very much longer and that the people of Ukraine can start to rebuild their country and their lives. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. You can also find me on YouTube. So go follow, like, subscribe as applicable and please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel or other sort of um, official channels or streaming services uh, to find what you're looking for. And do go to TomPetty.com uh, for official merchandise. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member, as they're excellent fan communities and well worth checking out. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the closing track from Damn the Torpedoes, Louisiana Rain. Bye-bye.